Welcome to the Her Sweet Spot Experience, dishing out tips and tricks on mindset, money, marketing, and media for your life and business, and where we talk to women about how they found their sweet spot. So welcome everyone. I'm your host, Marsha Guerriere. And on today's episode, we'll be talking with Christine Michelle Carter, the number one global voice for working moms. I can't wait to get into some deets with her and talk about these companies and how working moms can elevate and rise in their careers. So you guys know, I love to start off each show with giving you a little tip or trick that I've learned along the way in this game of entrepreneurship. Today's tip is all about media exposure in honor of our special guest. So today's tip is solidify your key message. The foundation of any PR strategy is that you should clearly communicate your key messages. Your PR strategy's key message are the most important things you want your target audience to know about your product or service. You know you have a solid key message when you emphasize your company's core strengths and weaknesses and you back it with that substantial information that could support who you are. Your key message must remain consistent when telling your brand story. And remember that a PR strategy, what you say is more important than the tools you put to say. So I say that to mean sometimes we look at online media outlets as not something that we desire to seek and we're looking for that higher elevated media exposure. Don't look any exposure. What do they say? A gift horse in the mouth. So that is my quick tip for today. And we are going to be right back with our guest, Christine Michelle Carter. Her Sweet Spot is an online community for women influencers, leaders, and small business owners that offer coaching, education, resources, and networking opportunities for those looking to start or grow a business. We are the go-to incubator for success-driven solo CEOs who need their own team of C-suite coaches. Here's where she will find her sweet spot in mindset, money, marketing, and media. To learn more, visit www.hersweetspot.com. That's her, S-U-I-T-E, spot.com. Welcome back to Her Sweet Spot Experience, bringing you the most amazing guests and content in mindset, money, marketing, and media. So get your pens and paper out because, you know, on every episode, I have a guest who is going to always drop some real live nuggets and those ooh-ahs and aha moments to let you know what you need to do in your life and career. So let me just tell you a little bit about our special guest today. Christine Michelle Carter has been featured in the New York Times, is the number one global voice for working moms. She is called the Mom of Moms Influencers, the exec inspiring millennial moms, and the voice of millennial moms. Christine clarifies misconceptions about working mom consumers for brands and serves as an amplifier for their personal truth. We have so much that we could continue and go on and on and on. She has been featured and has contributed to many digital 
publications such as Forbes, Times, Harper's Bazaar, and the list could go on forever. I just want to welcome in my guest and just get to chatting with her. Christine, how are you? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, my God. It's a pleasure. Thank you for, for coming. You're such a busy uh, uh, um, you know, rock star, and you're out here fighting the good fight for us. Uh, women that I, you know, really appreciate you for taking the time and talking with us today. I'm so happy. Why don't you, <laughs> thank you. Can you share just a little bit more, anything else about your background that you want our listeners to know about? Sure. Um, so my career in marketing started in 2006 when I was the director of marketing for a retailer in Baltimore, where I'm born and raised. Um, I enjoyed it providing thought leadership and advising the CEO and the director of operations so much on effective communication strategies and messages that I decided to open up a retail marketing firm. And uh, over the years, I became labeled as a thought leader in marketing to millennial consumers because many of my clients, the retailers were focused on millennial consumers. And I was basically helping them with marketing strategies for marketing to black millennials and millennial mom consumers. And then I've also trained a number of different organizations on launching effective and, and cost-efficient events, um, anything from guerrilla marketing to field marketing um, to reach a millennial audience. So, and, and also influencer marketing too, I should mention. So, um, it didn't just happen overnight. <laughs> I've been doing marketing for a, a pretty long time now. That, that, that is fantastic to know. Cause my first question for you in this conversation was going to be, so what came first? You know, they say what came first, the chicken or the egg, your career as a writer or motherhood. So, Oh. your mom and how many kids do you have because you're you do write a lot um about motherhood and your fight is for women in motherhood in corporate america and beyond yeah so writing came first actually because i used to do writing competitions when i was five um but oh wow <laughs> yeah um i have an eight-year-old and a four-year-old now awesome and so i think what you're doing and how it transitioned from marketing and understanding what companies are looking for um, in order to reach that population. Tell us about the work that you do with these companies and how are you learning or the ways to help the companies to become more diverse? Is it a co-working collaboration? Do you find that the companies are very interested or is it just the flavor of the season to be diverse and to be about the moms and hashtag and all of that? Are you finding that companies are really interested? So everything is really of the season. I wrote, that's pretty much what I built my career on is the fact that I'm kind of like the dawn and draper of marketing. And I like to do old school retro forms of marketing and kind of just revamped them a little bit because most young marketing with the snappers nowadays want to be the first to do things in a disruptive and groundbreaking way. But I still feel like some of the classics um, that were popular in the Mad Men days in the 60s uh -huh. being king and people not purchasing things if it doesn't have a testimonial attached to it, I think that that still exists. So 
mom influencers right now. That's what they're called. But back in the 50s and the 60s and 70s, they, they were called the Tupperware women of the neighborhood. And they were the ones who were endorsing products. And diversity in the workplace is all the rage again. But back in the 80s, a lot of companies had multicultural marketing managers or they were focused on diversity back then too. So everything just goes through seasons. And I find that if I'm able to communicate that to companies, then they understand, okay, well, this isn't so groundbreaking or disruptive. It's a little bit more comfortable for me to right. to um, but a lot of them, the difference is nowadays, there are a lot of metrics that are associated with both of them. So you can clearly see that mothers are responsible for 85% of household purchases. Um, and black millennial moms have a spending power of 1.5 trillion. So you can put numbers to the worth of those different women. And then when it comes to diversity in workplace now, companies a lot of them have it are tied to um, they're attached to um, the growth of the company or they're attached to the incentives for the executives to grow diversity within the organization so um, it's it's less hard it's not as hard to make the argument nowadays but there's nothing new under the sun right right I, I every time I hear a statistic about the buying power of the black community, whether it is just women or just us as a whole, I get so astonished because why is it difficult for us as a community to, to, to really build our own? Why is that so hard for us to do? We have the power, right? Right. I, so as a mom of the millennial or mom influencers, what is your biggest challenge do you ever feel like you kind of sort of have the weight of, of of a whole you know group of people on your shoulders when you are working with these companies like sometimes the messaging goes wrong you know yeah. when when you look at some of these big names that, that we've seen in the media that have taken some really crazy turns in in how, how they try to reach us um with a dove with their commercial yeah. right yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I do feel pressure, but I'm an advocate for women, black moms and millennial moms because they're me, you know, I'm passionate about seeing my tribe represented in a positive light. And I have the opportunity to promote us um, on some of the largest platforms and writing and with some of the biggest organizations. So I do feel that pressure to clarify the misconceptions and make sure that I am getting their messages uh, right. You know, I'm, I'm motivated to tell the story of our generation our gender and our race everything that comes along with that like our our hopes our fears our our challenges our everyday struggles and our wins and then having somebody listen to that and actually change business or uh promote that and make a positive impact as a result of that is is what i aim for right that's so awesome how do you select your companies uh, do, do you do you target companies that are really getting it wrong and you like a Gucci or and you really want to go in there and help them affect change or are you when you know I imagine now and based on some of the things I read I know you have companies that knock on your door all day long so how do you vet out which companies you actually do want to work with well, um, I think it should be somebody within my swim lane. So I wouldn't give advice to an auto, you know, company or, uh, unless I you know, <laughs> right. 
specifically understood the industry. Um, I always try to make sure it's an industry that over indexes with um, diverse consumers or moms and they may not be aware of that fact. Um, right. For the most part, I'm pretty knowledgeable about the consumer enough that I can speak pretty broadly. So it's not awesome. like I'm anybody down <laughs> for the most right. part. But so that it, you're staying consistent with who you are and what you relate to as well. So right. that's really important to to how you decide who you even work with and partner with. Um, that is really great um, insight. I'm going to ask you about the latest partnership that we've all seen in the media. And this just came up in my mind. Jay-Z and the NFL. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I don't really know enough about that um, to speak to it, quite honestly. And I, I never want to be one of those like um, front porch yelling at the wind kind of uh, <laughs> kind yeah. of consultants or analysts just shouting things out. I don't have enough uh, information about the deal. I wasn't a part of it to to really offer a perspective. I mean, now having said that, I do give a presentation about how Black millennial moms can uh, they parent politically and how the decisions that companies make to align with certain causes or certain campaigns does affect black moms as consumers and parents so they take it quite personally so right. i will say that there are a lot of folks within our community who are up in arms and i can completely from a just a data and um, uh, just trends perspective understand why um, right. But I couldn't personally speak one way or the other on my opinion of it. I appreciate you for saying that because I, I really don't have an opinion of it because, like you said, I don't know what's going on in the back room. I don't know what's to come later on from that deal and what the strategies and plans are that they have worked out together. So to, to watch and to listen to so many people provide um, feedback whether good or bad, it, it's just, to me, just let's just wait and see. You right. know, something's happening. Let's just wait and see. Well, I think this is a great time for us to pause for the cause and take a short little break and go into what we like to call our mindful moment. Okay. Be right back. Here is your mindful moment. Welcome to the next Mindful Moment with me, Natasha Nurse. I am the owner and co-founder of Dressing Roommate, which is a coaching and consulting platform dedicated to teaching women to do three really important things. First, how to think with clarity. Second, how to dress with confidence. And third, how to live with purpose. And when it comes down to figuring out how to master the art of public speaking and learning how to speak with presence. There's so much that I could talk about, but I really want to focus and hone in on five main things that you need to do to make sure that you are speaking with presence and you make your next public speaking opportunity completely unforgettable. So first, you have to smile. You have to be inviting. The more inviting that you seem to appear to people, the more that what? People will want to speak with you. They'll want to get to know you. They'll want to know your story, which is the premise for which you are there and why you're sharing the information that you have to share. Next, 
You got to make eye contact. Do you like when people, when people look at you in your eye or when they speak to you and look at your feet? Most people like to be spoken to in their eye, right? They want you to look directly at them. They want to feel like they matter to you. And what you have to say is specifically to each and every one of the people sitting before you. So make eye contact. It's important. Next, your content really matters. We have to be specific about what we're talking about. We have to have value, not only in what we're saying, but what we're sharing in our presentation slides, in the materials that you are sharing and distributing. Value is everything. And guess what? It also has to be important. It has to be important and it has to be relevant to who you're speaking to. If you're a fitness coach and you're in front of a room of people who hate to work out, is your message really gonna be heard? Absolutely not. You've got to make it relevant, important, and valuable to those in front of you. Guess what? You also have to be human, and that shouldn't be too hard since you are a human being. But what do I mean by that? I mean, you gotta include humor. You have to be current. You have to be entertaining. When I speak, I love to tell jokes. I love to share personal stories because why? I'm a human being, I'm fallible. And what I say and what I do is absolutely relevant to who I'm speaking to. And I'm sure that they have similar stories and similar moments of doubt and fear and frustration that we can all relate and we can have a little bit of a human bond and connection with. So be a human being. You are one, so execute that in your next public speaking event. And the last thing that matters when it comes to really honing in and speaking with presence is you have to have action, right? So what is the call of action at the end of your presentation? What are you asking the audience to do, to think about, to, to feel? There has to be some next step after your presentation. Otherwise, it's going to come in one ear and it's going to go out the next. And we don't want that to happen. So call of action is key. And also when it comes to taking the action to speak to you, to get to know you, to, to, to have a connection with you, you've got to make it super crystal clear and easy for people to get in touch with you. So whether you use the LinkedIn application to, to be able to connect with you and, and everyone in the room, whether you share your email address, whether you give your phone number, maybe you have a landing page that you want them to arrive at and, and connect with you and get your course and get this guide, whatever your call of action is, you've got to make it easy and super attainable for people to take action so that they've heard what you've had to say and they're ready for more. They're ready to buy into your course. They're ready to go to your next event. They're ready to sign up for your blog, sign up for your newsletter, but we got to have it super easy to let them go on that journey that connects you to your audience even further each and every day. <laughs> so those are the five steps that are super easy for you to implement today, absolutely today. And I have a couple of like last minute speaking with presence, words of wisdom that I'd love to share. First, practice is a must, right? You know, when we were taught as children, practice makes perfect. Again, not necessarily always a phrase that rings well or, or happy in our minds, but our parents did know something and, and that was true. Why? Because 
speaking like anything else is a craft. It's something that you have to work at, right? We don't just wake up and become the amazing public speakers that you know and love in your life. They have to work at it and guess what? You've got to work at it as well. So what does that mean? Taking the opportunity to speak on a Facebook Live, on YouTube Live, on on Instagram Live, using social media as a tool to enhance yourself as a speaker is vitally important. Creating workshops and pitching that and being able to go in and do maybe smaller presentations that keep you kind of ready and, and, and able to conquer those bigger presentations in the future is super important. But we've got to turn opportunities into speaking opportunities and make opportunities to speak over and over and over again so that you are constantly working on this craft. Next, you've got to be mindful of of the fact that at the end of the day, you're sharing content, you're sharing knowledge, but also you have to be telling your story. So you've got to be authentic. You've got to come from a place of you. You're comfortable. You're you're happy to do this. This is not something that is, is problematic. This is not something forced upon you, but this is a voluntary thing that you've signed up to do because you enjoy it, right? So we also have to to be mindful of what? Of the story we tell ourselves. So every time you hear someone say, I'm not a good, I'm not a good public speaker, that's the story that they're telling themselves, that's the story that they're believing, and that's the story standing in their way of actually becoming a good speaker. And and that doesn't have to be you. And I know you know this doesn't have to be you by the mere fact of you listening to this. So be careful of the story you're telling yourself and make sure that you are yourself when you're doing these presentations because guess what everyone else is taken so you've got to be you <laughs> and then lastly we we have to have fun right so when when i when it comes to public speaking what i try to do is identify three things that i love about it and i try to hone in so that i can achieve those three things every time i speak so that it's fun 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 each and every time. So what does that mean? For me, my fun reasons why I like to speak is I love to share stories. I love to educate. Teaching is something I grew up doing and and being exposed to, and I want to continue to educate and teach for the rest of my life. And then also I want to connect with more people. I think it's amazing that we live in a planet filled with over 7 billion people, and we don't even know a percentage of of 1% of the planet. So every time you can speak, it's getting more connected with your community, the small and the greater of it. So those are my three things, but I encourage you to pick three things that you want to get out of public speaking every time you do it. And those are things that you are excited about. Those are things that you would define as fun. Okay. So with all of that, I hope you've enjoyed understanding how to really speak with presence for this mindful moment. And I want you to stay tuned for the next Women on the Rise podcast so that you can have a mindful moment with me, Natasha Nurse, owner and co-founder of Dressing Roommate. And if you would like to stay in touch with me, if you liked this content, then you can always feel free to visit dressingroom8.com to connect with me, connect with my blog, sign up for my monthly newsletter, And also you'll find my email address, natasha at dressingroom8.com. So you can always email and chat with me as much as you like. All right, stay tuned for the next mindful moment and enjoy the rest of your program.
All right, guys, we are back. We are here with our guest, Christine uh, Michelle Carter, and she is the number one go-to global influencer for the voice of the working mom. So, Christine, thank you for being on our show today. I have a segment on our show that I like to call In the News, and before we ask you some more questions, I want to share with you something I read in the news today and uh, get your feedback on, on these items for working moms. So are you ready? Yes. Awesome. So according to an article written by Romy Newman, written in the fairy, fairygodboss.com, mm-hmm. here are 10 tips for juggling working motherhood. So it's 10 tips for juggling working motherhood. Okay. Number one. Number one is write everything down, especially your to-do list. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I write everything <laughs> down. I have multiple journals. Awesome. So do I. And I, I founded uh, the Plan, Pray, Prosper Planner so I could combine spirituality and journaling and planning all, all at the same time. Oh, so wow. I love writing everything down. I'm trying to find uh, that number- my daughter, actually. That's funny. Oh, uh, we'll talk. I'll send you, I'll send you one for her. Okay. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. Number two of the top tips, 10 tips for juggling working motherhood is work at home days. So companies, how how do you like? 400% agree with that. 400%. 400%. You got that guy? 400%. X that right? right I work from home it, it, I started working from home my company sort of allowed me to do it after I had my son so I completely agree sometimes it's not great because I do it full-time and not just a couple of days but it is absolutely welcoming and needed number three make a schedule and stick to it yeah like it goes along with That's number right. one. When you write it down, to work, right? You, to plan, right. Ab- absolutely. Number four, do not clean your house. <laughs> what do you think about that? And I think what it means is hire someone, use, use uh, resources out there that you could find to assist you in, in some menial uh, tasks. I think delegating when necessary is what they're trying to say. And I completely agree with that. Throw money yes. at the problem. Throw money at the problem yes. whenever you can. Yes. Anytime. Number four and five kind of go together. Exercise and sleeping. Everyone knows exercise and sleeping actually gives you more energy. Yes. Um, I'm big on both. I agree with awesome. this. Awesome. Really good. <laughs> this is a good list. I thought, I thought you would like it. Yeah. Um, Number. Number seven, and I have done this, get a haircut on company time. I do a lot. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I agree. This was a great one for me because I learned from a friend that you got to get your nails done and your hair yeah. done and all that jazz. I would always wonder before I became a mom why my friends and colleagues would do this, and now I understand. <laughs> yes. Yes. Time is so crucial. Number eight, sorry, but work for two hours on a Sunday. This one had me going, eh, I'm not too sure. 
I actually do work quite frequently on Saturdays and Sundays, and I love it. Really? Like, but for your employ, like I, you're an entrepreneur, you work for yourself, essentially, right? You, you bake in your own time. No, actually, I'm a global marketing strategist um, for a big CPG company, too. So I sit in oh. yeah, a corporate strategy and development office, um, and I have my own business, too. So um, I, I work on Saturdays and Sundays, sometimes for the company, sometimes for myself, and I love it. Awesome. Yeah, because I, I, used, I, I used to have a little bit more balance um, consistently and not just Monday through Friday. It kind of like balance right. out your weekend too. And I agree. I, it makes sense. I, I work for myself seven days a week because I work for myself and I balance that, you know, when I'm not at work, I have my, my own hours for work for my own company. So that I do work, but my boss will take a pause because I, I do, I do dual work. <laughs> and number nine is have a little fun. Yes, agree. Have a right? lot of fun. Have a lot of have fun. Have a lot of fun. Don't forget to have some fun. Yeah. And number 10, I found this to be a pretty heavy one. And we, we could probably talk for like 10 hours on it. But forgive yourself. Yeah. Right? I agree. Yeah. That's so yeah. heavy. And yeah. I know someone needed to hear that today because we tend to beat ourselves up as working moms. As my, I did it a lot in the beginning because um, working, like I said, seven days a week because you're working for yourself and you have a full-time job is very difficult. How do you manage that? Yeah, so I always try to make time to do one special thing for myself every month and rotate it at uh, the activity every three or four months. So I'll go to therapy one month, I'll get my hair done one month, get my nails done one month, get a massage yeah. one month and then rotate that out. Um, and then I also don't try to do anything just me. Like I said, delegating is important. Forgiving yourself is important. You don't have the time to do everything. So um, I have a fabulous team around me and fabulous family and friends, and they're able to help me out. You know, I'm a single mom, and I only do this because I have them by my side. That that is That goes straight away with thank you for playing along by the way uh with our in the news segment but that goes straight to my next question before we begin to wrap up is what advice would you give to working moms right now um i would you know what all those tips that um everything on that list i completely yeah. agree with um I also think that mothers should never be ashamed of being mothers in the workplace because there are a lot of things that we statistically do that other employees without children don't. We tend to work longer hours. We tend to be more productive. And this is all statistically speaking. Um, the fact that we're mothers shows that we have leadership abilities, patience, problem-solving skills. We're constantly approached by these little people who are internal stakeholders so I would never um, I would just discourage any mother listening to ever feel like they should hide that part of their identity I agree those are all great tips and advice and I thank you so much for being with me today and sharing a little bit about you what you do and um, all things motherhood with me uh, today. I would love to have you back on the show where we can go into a deep dive and help these entrepreneurs out here in her sweet spot land. 
um, really get their marketing, get, give some more uh, marketing and career advice. Love to have you back on our show. Oh, absolutely. I would love to be back on. I had such a fabulous time. Thank you so much, guys. And I got, guys, thank you for listening today. I love you guys. We will talk to you next time, but we'll bring you another amazing, fabulous leader in the world of entrepreneurship. Thanks for joining us this week on the Her Sweet Spot Experience. Make sure to visit our website, www.hersweetspot.com. That's her, S-U-I-T-E, spot.com, where you can become a member of our growing community and get great content for your life and business. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. We are your strategic partners to grow your business.